Coming to you live from the basement of an abandoned house in the middle of a field, it's the Derek Izzy Show. Making history his story, Derek Izzy. You're listening to The Derek Izzy Show. This month's episode, entitled Purington Smutty Nose, is brought to you by betonline.ag. Now let me tell you a little something about BetOnline. It is a sports gambling website. You know, football season's about to start. You gotta start placing those football bets. Now, if you wanna make some money, here's how you do it. Go to DerekIzzy.com, click on the betonline.ag banner that's right there on the homepage, and then sign up using that link. And here's what you'll get. 50% matching funds on your initial deposit. That is free money. You can't beat that. So let's say you're going to fund your betting account with $100. Well, BetOnline will give you 50 bucks for free. That's just for using the service as a Derek Izzy Show listener. Go to DerekIzzy.com, click on that BetOnline banner, fund your account with an initial deposit, and they will match it 50%. You know you've got to do it. Get those accounts funded and start using the benefits provided to you by the Derek Izzy Show. That's just a little thank you for being a loyal listener. Today's show returns us to the state of Maine. As you'll remember, maybe episode 30, like back in June of 2016, I did a podcast called Haunting the Maine Road. It was about a haunted road in the state of Maine in a rural area. And for today's episode, we return to Maine again. This episode takes place back in the 1800s, before Maine even became a state. There was a movie made about one of the topics of today's podcast. It's called The Weight of Water. Now, it was a fictional movie, and some of the information and events that happened in the movie did not actually occur the way that the movie portrayed it. So if you've seen that movie, the storyline is similar to the truth, but the bad guy in the movie is not the bad guy in real life. Now, in researching this topic, anytime you go way back into history, you're going to find things that are very difficult to prove true. For example, back in 1876... A newspaper article had claimed that the survivor of this event had confessed to being the cause of the event. Now, the article was proven to be false because the person named in the article wasn't actually on their deathbed. They were still living and in good shape. And the newspaper actually printed a retraction and an apology, but the retraction is not what makes the headlines. That article and the movie Weight of Water determined 
that a person named Marin was guilty of a vicious murder when all the evidence actually pointed to Marin being the sole survivor of the vicious attack, not the vicious attacker. What was this vicious attack? There's a place in Maine called Smutty Nose Island. Back in 1873, a man named Louis Wagner took a rowboat out to Smutty Nose Island, which was inhabited by a small population. His intent was to rob three women that were left at their house alone. The women did not want to be robbed. It turns out that they would put up a fight and Lewis would end up killing two of the three with an axe. Marin was the sole survivor of the attack. While Lewis claimed to be innocent, all the evidence beyond a reasonable doubt pointed to his guilt. He was convicted and hung for double homicide. An article taken directly from one of the local newspapers entitled Terrible Tragedy at the Isle of Shoals. A terrible story comes today from the Isle of Shoals. Two women, Norwegians, were found murdered yesterday evening. They were killed with an axe by some person as yet unknown, although the people who live there have no doubt in regard to his identity. The women were a Miss Cornelia Christensen and Miss Annette Lawson. They had quite a large sum of money, and this is now missing. The suspected man is a Mr. Lewis Wagner, he is said to be a desperate character. He has not been seen at the shoals since the murdered women were found. The women lived in a well-known red house, once occupied by the late Christian Johnson on Smutty Nose Island. This man, Wagner, was at the house yesterday. When it was found that Wagner was missing, a large number of shoalers came up to this city. Here they found that Wagner was in the city this morning. He had all his heavy beard taken off at a barber shop and left on the noon train for Boston. The men who come from the Shoals are so excited that it is impossible to get any particulars from them, and this news reached us just as we go to press. Officers in cities on the line of the road have been telegraphed, and it is hoped that Wagner will be caught. The women who were murdered lived in the family of Mr. Huntress, it is believed that Wagner rode up to this city in a boat after he committed the deed. Wagner is a Prussian and is well known by the fishermen about here. This crime was committed within the limits of Maine. Now, I apologize for the English in that article, but the language of the 1800s was slightly different than it is today. Louis Wagner, when brought to trial, claimed that he was innocent, and when Faced with the noose, about to be hanged, he accused Marin, one of the three women, of being the actual killer. Marin identified Lewis as being the killer. In her testimony, she knew it was him because she heard one of the victims crying, Lewis! 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 as he struck her with the axe. The house where this vicious murder took place burned to the ground in 1885. But in 1875, Louis Wagner was hanged. Hoping for a stay of execution, then Governor Nelson Dingley spoke to him, and Louis said, Do I look like a man who would commit such a crime? And the governor responded, 
You look to me like a man that got himself into a corner and murdered his way out. Axes were the weapon of choice in the 1800s, similar to guns today. Guns are the weapon of choice in most vicious murders. But back in the 1800s, guns weren't available to everyone. So killers had to be a little bit more creative and use the tools that existed, that were commonplace. Continuing through the history of Maine, it brings us to Captain James Purrington. Going back to 1805, Captain Purrington was a well-respected citizen A large man, he had a large family, a wife, six children. They were a very strict, religious, and devoted family. They lived in a small town in Maine, a small town that never expected the tragedy which was about to strike. In an area around Augusta, Maine, the Purington family had settled in. They had a farm in the area of Old Belgrade Road, what seemingly looked like a random act to this day. No one knows what triggered this act of violence. We only know the outcome, and we can deduce some of the events that happened from the evidence that was available at the time. Captain Purrington and his wife had a large family, like I mentioned before. At age 46, his wife, age 45, were living in that farm off of Belgrade Road, Their children, Polly, James, Martha, Benjamin, Anna, Nathaniel, Nathan, and Louisa lived with them as well. But on July 9th, tragedy would strike. From a newspaper article published in July of 1806 comes the story of Captain James Purrington. Now, I'll apologize for the old-time English, but this is straight from the newspaper in 1806. At an early hour on Wednesday morning last, the inhabitants of this town were alarmed with the dreadful information that Captain James Purrington of this place, in cold blood, had murdered his wife, children, and himself. His oldest son, with a slight wound, escaped, and his second daughter was found desperately wounded and probably supposed dead by the father. Between the hours of two and three, a near neighbor, Mr. Dean Wyman, was awakened by the lad who escaped. With an incoherent account of the horrid scene from which he just fled, he, with a Mr. Ballard, another neighbor, instantly repaired to the fatal spot. And here, after having lighted a candle, a scene was presented which beggars all description. In the outer room lay prostrate on his face, and weltering in his gore, the perpetrator of the dreadful deed, his throat cut in the most shocking manner, and the bloody razor lying on a table by his side. In an adjoining bedroom lay Mrs. Purrington in her bed, her head almost severed from her body and near her on the floor, a little daughter about ten years old, who probably heard the cries of her mother, ran to her relief from the apartment in which she slept and was murdered by her side. In another apartment was found the two oldest and youngest daughters, the first aged 19 dreadfully butchered, the second desperately wounded, reclining her head on the body of the dead infant 18 months old and in a state of horror 
and almost total insensibility. In the room with the father lay in bed with their throats cut, the two youngest sons, the one eight, the other six years old. And in another room was found on the hearth, most dreadfully mangled, the second son, aged twelve. He had fallen with his trousers under one arm, with which he had attempted to escape. On the breastwork over the fireplace was the distinct impression of a bloody hand, where the unhappy victim probably supported himself before he fell. The whole house seemed covered with blood, and near the body of the murderer lay the deadly axe. From the surviving daughter, we have no account of this transaction. Her dangerous situation prevents any communication, but faint expectations are entertained of her recovery. From the son, age 17, we learn the following, that he was awakened by the piercing cries of his mother and involuntary shrieking himself, he leapt from his bed and ran towards the door of his apartment. He was met by his father with an axe in his hand who struck him. But being so near each other, the axe passed over his shoulder and one corner of it entered his back, making a slight wound. His father then struck at him once or twice and missed him. At this moment, his younger brother, who slept in the same bed with him, jumped from it and attempted to get out the door. To prevent this, the father attacked him, which gave the eldest an opportunity to escape. During the dread conflict, not a word was uttered. From the appearance of his wounds, generally, it seems to have been the design of Purington to dissever the heads from the bodies, excepting the two youngest, whose throats, it is supposed, were cut with a razor. The oldest daughter and second son had several wounds, the probable consequence of their resistance. We have no evidence to lead us satisfactorily to the motives for this barbarous and unnatural deed. Captain Purington was 46 years of age and had lately removed from Baldowenham to this town. An independent farmer with a handsome estate of steady, correct, and industrious habits and of a good character and fair reputation and strongly attached to his family. He had been heard lately to say that he felt much distressed at the unpromising appearance of his farm, that he should be destitute of bread for his family and hay for his cattle and dreaded the consequences. The Sunday before his death, it is said he wrote to his brother and informed him that on the reception of the letter he should be dead and requesting him to take charge of his family. In the letter was a death's head marked out and it was sealed with black. It was found on Monday by his wife and gave her the greatest alarm and uneasiness. This her husband perceiving and learning the cause, he attempted to console her by assurances that he had no intention of committing suicide, but that he had a presentiment of his approaching death. Captain Purrington was a warm believer in the doctrine of universal salvation, though it is not said of him that he was a bigoted maniac or a religious enthusiast. His whole conduct that day, preceding and during the last and bloody scene of his life, seems marked with the utmost coolness and deliberation. Towards the close of the day, he ground the fatal axe, and when he finally retired to bed, he was reading the Bible. The jury of inquest have brought him in guilty of willful murder 
on his wife and six children, and that as a felon, he did kill and murder himself. We do not recollect that the annals of Massachusetts can furnish a transaction so distressing. The ways of providence are dark and mysterious, yet God is just, and man, weak man, must tremble and adore. After coroner's inquest had executed its office, the selectmen took charge of the dead. Their remains in eight coffins were conveyed to the meeting house. Mrs. Purington and her children were placed in the body of the house, Captain Purington on the porch. Now those words, straight from the newspaper of the time, paint a vivid picture of exactly what happened. It was like the scene from a horror movie. The father going crazy, murdering almost his entire family, and the only motive that seems even plausible was that they were running out of money. The remains of Captain Purington were taken and he was buried near the highway in the southwest corner of the burying ground at the corner of Winthrop and High Streets. He was buried with his axe and razor by his side. If you'd like to visit the cemetery where the Purington family is buried, you can visit Mount Vernon Cemetery in Augusta, Maine. And you can go to the southwest corner near the highway near Winthrop and High Street because there lies Captain Purington with his axe and razor by his side. Not much can be said for the surviving son. He did live on, start a family, and became a father himself. The Purington family continued to have children and grandchildren and grow into a normal family. But Captain James Purington will always be a branch on that family tree. Because now you know the rest of the story. Thank you for listening to The Derek Izzy Show. Make sure you write a review for us on iTunes. We need those reviews. It only takes a couple minutes, and it helps the show grow. Tell your family, tell your friends, and visit DerekIzzy.com where you can take advantage of that 50% matching bonus when you fund your account with betonline.ag. Football season is coming up, and there's lots of bets you can make on football. Good luck. Make some money. Deposit that account using our link and get your 50% matching bonus. And tune in next month to The Derek Izzy Show. Good day.